beautiful. You are listening to More Than a Crown, where you will learn, feel understood, and be encouraged alongside believer, child advocate, ice cream connoisseur, and former Miss USA, Sarah Rose Summers. everyone. Welcome to More Than a Crown. I want to know where you're listening from today. So go ahead and head over to at More Than a Crown podcast on Instagram and tell us. I know a lot of you typically listen during your commute or during your workouts at the gym, but as we are all inside right now, I am very curious. And I'm so glad, however, that you are listening today because you are going to be inspired. You're going to be encouraged and just uplifted by today's guest. We are chatting with Shri Sani today. So Shri is an activist. She's a college graduate. She is a pageant title holder, but she is so much more than all of those titles, as are you. So I'm going to have her just share a little bit of her story to start us off. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Shri. Thank you, Sarah. It's my absolute honor. So my story is about a girl who uh, had big dreams, was from a small town in Washington, And she overcame a lot of adversities in life, but she changed her adversity to advocacy. And I think the biggest message I take away from my life is to always be resilient in hardships and choose kindness, even when given unkind treatment. I think that's what true kindness is. And I think, Sarah, you are the definition of kindness and unconditional love. And those who are listening and may not know, Sarah and I were invited to judge the national pageant, National American Miss, and I got to spend about a week with her, and I was so captivated by the amount of love she gave to each and every girl. You know, obviously, after she had judged them, she would approach them, comfort them, inspire them, give them hope, restore their confidence, and I, I hope everyone in the world gives love like Sarah does. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm going to cut you off there because when you were talking about part of your goal is to turn your obstacles into advocacy and and share kindness always, no matter what, you are such a beautiful example of intentional kindness through intentional, meaningful conversation. Um, I I have an appreciation for how deep you can get in conversation with a person and how intentional all of your interactions are. They're never really just surface level. And that's such a beautiful thing. It it says a lot about your character. Oh, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate that. Absolutely. And you do have so much to share. I mean, from your heart condition, your pacemaker to your facial burns to everything. But what is your message to those who are listening who think they can't accomplish their goals, whether that's due to the virus night right now or um, whatever their obstacle may be? What's your message to those people? My message to those who are hurting right now and in the process of healing or recovery is just know that your potential is limitless. You have to believe in yourself. You have to have hope and you know, be your biggest cheerleader. Don't have negative self-talk and behavior patterns and uplift yourself. Um, you know, I, I I understand that it is hard, but I, I want you to keep, keep hold of that hope. Um, and yes, I, I went through facial burns in college. I, uh, in the middle of college, I was in a rollover car accident that left my face with bleeding burns 
So I, I know what physical and emotional trauma is. Um, I came out of this accident. And I felt like my life had stopped. My face was basically taken from me. My, I looked like a monster. My face was so swollen that no one could recognize me. Um, and I was basically told um, to take a year off, to spend a year at home, so I could, you know, clean my face every few hours and follow the medical protocols for recovery. But you know, I I always had these big dreams and hopes to serve, to be a speaker, to uh, pursue pageantry and be a servant leader through that. So I I made the decision that I am not going to be ashamed of how I look, and I am going to return to campus, and I want to graduate with my class. So I um always became I was always taught to be solution oriented so find solutions in your obstacles you may be facing right now like for example in order to clean my face every few hours I um, packed a medical kit with ice and cleaning ointments and I took that with me to class and between classes I would I would run back to my dorm room and clean my face of um this you know extra skin um the the wounds that would um, that I would see every every day on my face, and to protect my skin from UVA lights, from you know when I would walk on campus, I would um, have a huge sun hat on and a mask on. But I kept filling myself with that hope and inspiration, and find ways that you are able to feel hopeful. If that is a particular sermon or pastor or quote. Um, Keep reminding yourself that you know things will get better. You just have to take that positive action. That is so so good, and I mean, painting that picture for us gives me the chills. How how did your teachers and your friends respond um, during that time? And if anyone was you know anything but supportive, how did you overcome that? Mm-hmm. That that's a great question. Um, so what I did before heading to campus was email my teachers to let them know, so they're not like, "Who is this girl with the sun hat in classroom?" And like, I actually had a necklace fan too, so because my face would heat up so much. Oh wow! Um, so I had like a fan in classroom, and I would be like doing accounting. Um, so I, I, you know, just to let them know what happened. Um, I had emailed them and just requested them um, um, that so I can be seated like next to the door so I can go use the restroom if I needed to because sometimes the lectures would be, you know, four hours long and I would just need to splash my face with ice cold water just to like um, have the swollenness calm down. Um, so they were very understanding, very encouraging. Um, my friends would visit me in my dorm rooms and I would have like fans in my dorm rooms. So they would, you know, come and understand, okay, like let's go visit Shri because it's, you know, hard for her to come to the library or to their um, dorm. Um, so they were understanding, but there were, there were some classmates um, that didn't know me and didn't know my story and just, you know, would give me ugly looks at times. They would, you know, give me the cold shoulder. Um, and to them, I just, you know, I would just explain to them what happened. And after they heard my story, they understood what I, what I was going through. Um, so I think I am so happy that they were empathetic and compassionate and allowed me to, um, recover. Um, so I'm, I'm really grateful for that. Absolutely. 
the common thread through all of that, whether it was teachers or your your friends, of course, and complete strangers in class was communication. And that's so important. And it brings me back to actually my on stage question at Miss USA when um, I said that, yes, it's important to speak our voice, but it's also important to listen to other people. And that's so true. When those peers of yours heard your story, that's when I'm sure they fell in love with you just as much as all of the listeners today are. So thank you so much for um, being such a beautiful example of perseverance. Oh, thank you so much. You said it so well. It is. It definitely came down to communication, and I and I think communication is like the root for everything that we um, go through in life, and it's it's like the solution to every problem as well. Right. Especially during this time in quarantine, we all need that human connection. (laughs) Absolutely. And here we are. (laughs) Yes, here we are communicating from states away. I love it so much. So, I mean, you've already tugged at our hearts with your story in college, but you are also an advocate for heart health and you are a pacemaker patient. So can you share, you were only 12 years old when you were saved your pacemaker. Is that correct? Yes, ma'am. I was only 12. Wow. You are so polite. I love it. So how in the world did you get through such a scary time at such a young age? And what do you wish doctors, or in my case, a child life specialist, could have done differently to help you cope? Mm -hmm. I think the ma'am comes from my dance background. Um, (laughs) Yes. um, So yes, the average um, pacemaker patient recipient is age 80. So I am one of the youngest pacemaker recipients, um, and I'm really grateful for this machine that I live off of. Um, and Hallelujah. Those, <laughs> those who may not know what a pacemaker is, it is a machine that's on the left side of my chest, and I also have three leads um, that you know go are attached to my heart, and they so I was born with a complete heart block. So this machine helps resolve that problem and helps the upper chamber and the bottom chamber of my heart communicate, um, which allows me to have a normal heart rate because I was um, born with a heart rate that was so low that at times my heart would not beat for five seconds. And at times my heart would be only beating 20 seconds per minute and the average rate is 70 seconds. Um, so I, I went undiagnosed actually for 12 years and finally at age 12, mm-hmm, it, it's, it's pretty scary because I, you know, you have annual, um, physicals for PE and sports and every, for the first 12 years of my life, no one diagnosed my low heart rate. Um, but I had felt symptoms of feeling more tired, um, than my peers at recess, or I was even cross country and I would be like one of the last girls to finish, even though I gave it all each race. Um, and then, um, it came to know that, oh, it's because your heart is less than like way less than the average heart rate when and it comes to running. Um, so yeah, I, I was rushed. In, in a matter of months to the hospital to get a pacemaker after I was finally diagnosed. And the doctors had told me that my physical activities would be forever limited. I was taken out of sports, taken out of dance. But yet, yet again, that hope and dream of being a dancer and being an active human being, you know, 
inspired me to persist from the sidelines and I would take on extra dance classes and I would keep practicing and basically the left side of my body was um, in bandages and in a cast because um, you know your body needs time to heal from that surgery and um, I, I, I did whatever I could do with the limitations I had um, and, and to the doctors and nurses and child life specialists I think my humble advice would be to um, be more uplifting and encouraging and rather than giving absolute statements, you know, and think think of life through a lens of a 12-year-old child. And I know, Sarah, if I had you as my child life specialist, <laughs> I would have been so loved and over the moon happy because um, I know you fill people up with so much encouragement. Um, you're so sweet. Did you have a child life specialist? See, I, I don't know. I even asked my mom this question because there were so many people who would come in and out of my hospital room. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I have never shared this, but my surgery, when I had the surgery, my surgery kind of went um, wrong. <laughs> the, the minute they stitched me up after the pacemaker, the leads came out. So I had the twice as more um, recovery process and I had two surgeries in one day. Um, So there was just a lot of people and a lot of things going on. So I can, I know I won't be able to identify if I had one, but Mm -hmm. um, just as a general advice to any um, doctors, healthcare professional, or, or even anyone who knows someone who is going through a surgery is to just be more uplifting and encouraging because, um, I truly believe um, our recovery starts with with hope and with with the thoughts that we feed our mind. Yes, amen. It's so true. Our spirit can do so much in healing our bodies as well. Uh, it's so interesting. I, I know I'd heard your story, but I didn't realize that you had had the condition from birth but hadn't been diagnosed at all until 12. I thought you had been diagnosed but didn't need a pacemaker until 12. That's so interesting. Mm -hmm. Part of my clinical rotations was in cardiothoracic surgery, and we had infants having surgery Mm -hmm. all the time. And so my job then as a child life specialist was to help support the family and the, the parents of the patient. And so it's it's very fascinating. Were you in a children's hospital or an adult hospital then? Mm-hmm. I was um, in a children's hospital. So um, I loved all the I, – I remember seeing all the colors and cartoons on the wall. So that, 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 was, that was lovely and encouraging. Yes, it makes it a little less dull and cold than the adult hospitals typically are. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, so that's why because I was undiagnosed for 12 years – in my platform and advocacy and Beauty with a Purpose project, I particularly advocate for early heart checkups because, you know, oftentimes people think cardiovascular diseases is something that happens to old people. But like you mentioned, in pe- people are born with a complete heart block or could be born with a heart defect. Um, and, and, and sadly, heart disease is the number one killer globally. Um, more people die from heart disease than all forms of cancers combined. And that's, it's, it, the death rate is basically one in three people are projected to die from heart disease. So it's a huge problem, um, the biggest killer. So um, my advocacy is always talking about being aware that 
we we need to take action now and take preventative measures because you know having a healthy lifestyle and doing those heart checkups can save 80% of deaths um, caused from heart disease. Wow. And so, of course, your case is different, right? That you had the block. Um, but for the average citizen, what are some of those tips that you want our listeners to take away today that they can actively be doing for their own health? Mm-hmm. So um, first is healthy um, healthy diet and um, an active lifestyle. And this is why I love following your account too, because you're always so cool. <laughs> And even this morning, you posted a story of how hard it was to be active, but you made the decision to push through it. Um, so I think people just need to make the decision every day to be active for 30 minutes and um, to just think about more nu- nutrient-dense food. And the other thing would be, you know, monitoring your blood pressure and, and just making sure you're, you know, once a year, um, at least getting one annual checkup. And those three things can um, help prevent so many diseases at the at the end of your road. Mm, so interesting. And so aside from your hospitalization at 12 years old, how did how has your pacemaker held up? I know you have a very awe-inspiring story when you were competing at Miss World America just last year. But what what happened there and um, whatever you're willing to share? Of course. Uh, my pacemaker has been held up great. I'm so proud of it. It's It's charged up. And Many people might not know this, but um, a pacemaker is like a battery and just like any other battery for your laptop and phone, you need to recharge it. Um, So every like 10 to 15 years, it's recommended. Well, it's not recommended. You have to get (laughs) a new pacemaker. Um, So I have not hit that low battery mark right now where I need another pacemaker. Um, And for my story at Miss World America, um, I competed um, as Miss World Washington last year. And um, I think this story is a story of compassion, sisterhood, being grateful, and truly having faith in God's plan. Um, For those who may not know, um, during the final night of Miss World America, after all the contestants, you know, come on stage, say their name and state. Um, so which I did, I said, Shri Sani, Washington. Um, I did the opening dance number. When I came backstage and I was changing into my evening gown for the evening gown competition, I ended up collapsing. And it got a lot of media coverage from, you know, Indian coverage, India media coverage from all around the world. And I got a lot of coverage from the American media. Um, I became trending news on Twitter and on Google. And um, so basically, I just remember waking up. It was very foggy. A lot of um, people were asking how old I am, where I am, and I, I just, I just didn't know what was going on. If it was a dream or reality, um, I remember my mom kind of like saying, "Shri, this is Miss World America. Wake up! This is your dream. Like, come on! Like, this, you will be fine. You know, like she's like encouraging me because she knows like this is like the most one of the most important days of my life, and it's something I've." looked forward to um, growing up as being part of the Miss World organization. 
Um, and the next thing I remember, I am in the Vegas ER room um, and the competition ends. And um, But then the judges come to my room with trophies and certificates of the prelim prices. I had one, I, I believe I had won five. So they came and sashed me because the people's choice had like a sash and the contestants came to my room. And even though it was a lot going on and it was, I, I was crushed. I, I still had this peace about it because I knew that, you know, my dream had not ended that night. I could come back next year. And it also solidified my uh, love for pageantry because I had so many people coming in right after the collapse to check up on me. Um, so like, I think a lot of people feel like, oh my goodness, you must have been like, it must have been a lot emotionally, but in a way it, it was, but in a way also, I, I just, I believe that if it was meant to be, it would have been. And that year was not my year, then that is totally fine. I, I can still serve and I can still do speaking events and do the job of a title holder. Um, um, so I, I just felt a, a great sense of gratefulness. Um, having so much love from people around the world. Absolutely. I remember your mom messaging me the night that it had happened and they didn't know what was going on yet. And it was such a a real raw, scary feeling. That unknown is so scary. And um, it was extra beautiful and joyful when when you were able to turn it around and come back to us. But thank you. Um, truly, it was just such an amazing, like miraculous story. It was a miracle. And I love that you mentioned the part of how it's, it is a story of sisterhood. And I remember reading about the contestants that came to visit you after. And it is just, that's what non-pageant people need to hear, right? (laughs) There's these pageant naysayers out there and um, they think that it's all about the looks or it's all about the fame or the glitz and the glamour. And there's so much heart behind it all. And that story is, I'm literally smiling while thinking it out loud. It's just, it's beautiful. Thank you. And thank you so much for your phone call and your messages and your encouragement. Uh, And one more thing I, I, wanted to mention um the collapse was not because of my heart condition or my pacemaker or i think a lot of people think oh she must have been dehydrated or you know anxious um you know that that usually happens you know when it is such a huge competition but for me i i was hydrated i was well fed it was just a random incident that happened and all of us know that our bodies are so um so like there's so much that goes in our human body and sometimes it just takes one nerve or one like there are some random instances that you just cannot explain so it was nothing that I had control over um it was a circumstance totally out of my control um and I was just in happy spirits um so it there was no question of me being anxious because I was so grateful to finally be competing for my childhood dream. I remember reading how you you posted afterwards and said that you were well fed and a lot of people were questioning if you had eaten that day and the pageant stereotypes and everything. So I loved that you kind of hit that head on. But I I didn't realize that it didn't have any relation 
to your heart condition. That's really interesting. Uh, how long were you out for? Um, so I think I was in the Vegas like hospital um, for about four days. And then they said that a lot of your treatments can be done back in Washington. So um, a lot of the tests can be done in Washington. Um, gotcha. So then um, we, we booked our tickets back home and had a few tests done. And everything came out fine, every single test, every single um, diagnosis they did um, was completely fine. Um, so I'm grateful that things were good and I was ready to – to go on that road of recovery and regaining my strength. Um, and then one month after that, I was, you know, back to uh, serving as your Miss World Washington. And I got to visit UK and I got to watch Miss World that year and cheer on Emmy who had won that night. It was really fruitful for me to be able to go and watch the pageant I've, I've dreamed of being part of. Absolutely. And I have no doubt that you'll be competing in it one day. And I'm excited for that day to come and for me to be cheering you on. It'll be a role reversal. Yeah, <laughs> I would love to see you. I know one year ago, I was cheering you on at your farewell walk. And I was so proud of you. Um, so it's, it's crazy how time flies. Amen. You're telling me. I I had, you know, on Instagram, they prompt up what happened a year ago. And you're exactly right. I was leaving to crown Chesley. And at the time, I, of course, didn't know it was Chesley, but it's pretty surreal. And going back and reflecting on that time is really important. But during that story, you mentioned that you were covered a lot in Indian media around the world. So mm-hmm. share with our listeners what your heritage means to you. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I was raised in America, and America is my home. I, I like came here when I was a baby, but because I am of Indian heritage, Indian media, you know, loves following the work I'm doing here in the U.S. with pageantry, um, because Indians love pageants and they truly understand. It's a girl who's like a role model and ambassador. Um, so, what I've learned from my culture is unconditional love and a huge sense of community and they have rock solid values on relationships and family values and Indian people just do not give up on relationships and on each other they help each other grow overcome their weaknesses and they strengthen each other they provide support and Whenever I visited my grandparents in India, I've kind of sensed like every household has a open door policy. Like there's so many people who like come in and out during one day. It's just, I love the celebration. Like my grandparents know the newspaper guy. He They know his entire story. My grandparents know the guy who drops off the mail. Um, they know the people who go on walks every day. They know all their neighbors um, inside and out. Um, so that's like at the micro level what I've learned. But um, at like the big macro level, I think um, I, I've just, I think when I think of India and what, what India can share with the rest of the world, it's um, how to approach problems. And I think Mahatma Gandhi really encouraged us all to have a nonviolent approach and have the utmost respect for everyone. 
Um, and, you know, later on, MLK was inspired by that. And then Nelson Mandela was inspired by that. And you can see and everyone can see how these three leaders have really changed the face of um, policymaking and um, really changed how, how we view each other. And even in conflict, they, they showcase respect and say that we can overcome situations if we just listen and are compassionate. Um, so yeah, I'm really proud to be a part of this culture and I'm so grateful that people choose to cheer me on even from miles away. <laughs> yes, I I love it so much and I'm grateful to learn about your culture through you and I think everything you said about you know, the open door policy that made me smile to um, the nonviolent approach to politics and change making. It all truly does fit in with how bright of a culture you guys have. And color wise, you know, color means so much to me in my life. I always say that my personality is yellow. It's very bright and cheery and sunshiny. <laughs> and in India, you guys just use color so beautifully. And I think all of the characteristics you just described align with that so, so well. Thank you so much. And I can't wait to take you to India one day and address you in sarees and suits. Like it's, I'm so excited for that day to come. You're going to absolutely on my bucket list. I, that would be amazing. And I can't imagine going without you that I just have to go with you for sure. So that being said, in addition to your travels to your grandparents in India and watching Miss World in the UK, you have traveled a ton and that is a huge blessing. And I I believe travel really shapes you as a person. In fact, not only have you traveled to these places, but you've spoken in over 80 cities, 15 states and six countries. That is miraculous, Shree. What have you learned through all of your travels? Oh, thank you so much, Sarah. Um, it's been such an honor to travel and speak to these people in these beautiful countries. Um, you know, I've like I have learned that we're all the same. Like we're a big world family. We're not different. Everyone wants to be loved and heard and respected. Everyone wants to, you know, follow their passion. Um, but there are certain unique things about each country that I've taken with me and I've learned. Like, for example, when I was in UK, I just loved the way they expressed themselves and the choice of words they had. I was absolutely captivated by that. Like, they would like describe the weather, weather like, oh, it's a lovely day out, made. And they would be like, oh, that's a brilliant idea. Oh, you look dashing. And I. <laughs> I just loved how they expressed themselves and the word choice that they had. Um, and when I was when I was when I went to Guyana in South Africa in particular, I love how um, celebratory they were when I had landed at the airport. And this was like after like a 20, 30 hour long journey. And I also landed at a not the best optimal time. I landed like some like four AM and then six AM. Um but even then, like there were 10 different families, all the contestants at the airport, all like ready. Like it's it's like <laughs> a glamorous night. They were all like in high heels. They were in dresses and suits and they were there to um, welcome me in their country. So I felt really loved and welcomed 
welcomed and even when they had dropped me off they had given me their currency so i could have spending money at the airport oh they're they're just thoughtfulness and coming together um really inspired me and that's something that i i think we all can learn from um and then one more story i'll share is about my recent visit to india um i i just i've learned so much about like the value of hard work and innovative thinking especially in in countries you know that have extreme poverty um and i remember seeing this man um during my travels and he basically had his entire livelihood on this tray and in this basket that he had where he would go around knock on cars and you know sell goods and vegetables for less than 50 cents each and if um at the end of the day like he still had inventory left like those vegetables and those fruits would go to waste um because of the shelf life um but he kept at it as he would provide for his family and he would be on his feet in in sun for 10 hours a day so it just really inspired me that wow we are so lucky to um you know be from the united states and live in such a resource filled um country that is so nourishing um and we have resources after resource and college and schools and public libraries and from our government and it just really you know pained me to see him in that condition and motivated me even more to do my humble part um and this morning i actually received um cuz i i have i have been um promoting and advocating for some orphanages in india um and this morning i received this sweet picture of kids who had um wrote on paper we love you shri sister thank you for supporting us and as i I'll text, I'll text this to you right now i'm about to post it um on my social media but it goes to show that you know we are so lucky and just by like donating like like for example i i work with child health foundation where $25 equals 55 meals and just by donating from the comforts of our home from sitting from our couch you can make such a big impact um so i i feel really inspired and and motivated and i hope i can share continue to share that story with people here in the US um so they can be motivated to to um give back Yes, we need to hear it and that story of the man working hard all day just to provide for his family so that they can eat every day. I know during the quarantine, especially here in the US, people are like, "Oh my gosh, the the shelves, look at the shelves. There's nothing on them, etc." And most of those people are so well off still. If you look at their pantry at home or whatever that may be and I think a lot of that stemmed from panic here, but taking a second of self-reflection on other people in humanity around the world that that works so much harder for so much less every single day is really important for us to do and thank you for painting that picture in order for us to do so. Thank you. Thank you for your podcast and thank you for bringing us together Sarah and um allowing us to share share these important stories.
Yes, yes. I, I'm so grateful for this platform. And I know that you are going to be an inspiration to so many and through it. And I'm really grateful to have you on. But that being said, on on the topic of the virus, it's at the forefront of all of our minds and hearts. So and I like to stay positive. So yesterday was Earth Day and I posted a, an older photo of me exploring the cenotes in Mexico. And I, I asked a question on the post of where are you guys in, hoping to explore next? And I actually got um, a little bit of clap back and said, this isn't what we should be thinking about. We're stuck inside. We've been inside. We don't have jobs, etc." And you know my heart for positivity and looking for the lights in the future. And so that's what I was doing. But that being said, where will we find you next when it is safe again, of course? So I was actually supposed to be in Guyana um, first week of May, but that got postponed. So whenever the world is safe and sound and we're all allowed to travel, um, I believe, um, I, depending on the schedule, I will be in Guyana um, and I also had 10 events in the U.S. canceled in March. So mm-hmm. whenever they get rescheduled, I will be in New Jersey, New York, um, San Francisco. Um, and, and there's an event in Florida and Georgia as well. Um, and for my international travels, I was invited to New Zealand and Mauritius. Um, so when when the world is safe, I hope I can um, you know travel to those particular countries. Um, but yeah, I think right now our, our duty is to stay home and stay safe. And I, I'm so sad that to hear that that small little question got you that feedback. But um, that's not a reflection on you. It's just a reflection of what they're going through. Um, but like you said, we are so lucky that our only job right now is to stay home and and we are not the ones struggling for food, shelter, water. Um, so let's let's just focus on being being a blessing to those. Amen. And uh, I, before we move on to the next question, all of those travels, when, whether it's Mauritius or Guyana, what are you doing while you're there? What are what are those trips for? Oh, that's such a great question, Sarah. You need to be a newscaster. Like I feel. Like- you're like the Oprah Winfrey of pageantry. You ask such good questions. Oh my goodness. Uh, <laughs> best compliment ever. No, I'm serious. Like you're, it's just such a soulful podcast. I love it. Um, um, yeah. So in Guyana, um, so this is something, um, so I, I, I like to, so basically I'm invited to, um, speak, um, be a mentor. Cause usually, you know, they know that I'm from a pageant background. So I'm usually, um, partnered with some pageant related event at those particular countries, but not necessarily. So I do an, a few different things. I, I do speaking like, or Q and A or, um, just training girls and inspiring them to have a, a positive mindset. Um, but, but in particular, like say, for example, Guyana, um, Guyana has the highest suicide rate. Um, so in Guyana, I am doing about like a 10-minute speech and 30-minute Q&A, like something like that. It's it's basically an evening that brings us all together and talks about how suicide rates are um, 
a huge issue in that particular country. And we should not be ashamed to talk about depression. And we should not be ashamed to, you know, talk about mental illness. And we're we're not ashamed to talk about when someone, you know, gets injured physically. Um, so in Guyana, I'm particularly focusing on that. In New Zealand, I think I'm I'm mostly focusing on um, helping the contestants there. And Mauritius had a celebratory event. Um, I think there was celebrating like India's Independence Day. Um, and because you know, there like it's so incredible how. Um, some of these Indians that I meet in different countries, they're like fifth generation Guyanese or um, South Africans, and they don't speak a single language of Hindi, but they're just so in love with their culture that they um, celebrate the um, the holidays and mm-hmm. they dance to the music, even though they don't understand a single word of that song. But in mostly all of my travels, I'm doing something that revolves around public speaking and encouraging people to have like a more growth mindset and not have limiting limiting thoughts. And I always promote people to um, take action to serve. Yes. Go, girl. Keep it up. I'm so honored to witness your inspiring others. It's it's a beautiful thing. And so that being said, for those that are listening, you are bilingual, correct? Yes, I, I am. And I speak Hindi, Punjabi, and English. Educate me on the first two. Where where are they from? Why do you how do you know them? Is it family? Were you mm-hmm. born and raised? Did you teach yourself? How did it all happen? I wish I could say I taught myself, but no, uh our it's it's just from my family um being raised in in a family who speaks those languages Amazing. Uh, an interesting fact um in every state in india there is like the city language and there's a state language and then the national language of india is english so my city language was hindi my state language was punjabi and then international is english so Northern India, Eastern India, Western and Southern India are completely different languages and cultures and religions and food and dialects. And there's over 300 languages in India. Um, wow. but, but even with being raised in Washington, my entire life, uh, my parents always spoke that language. And I'm so grateful for, for that because now I'm able to reach, reach and um, reach out to even more people because of the gift of language I received. Amen. I'm so jealous. You have to cherish that. I took Spanish in high school and really tried, but if you don't use it, you lose it kind of thing. And I'd never been immersed in the culture. And so that's amazing. Given that all of the different regions are so different, where would we go when we go? Oh, um, I feel like you and I would go to North and, um, North is where, where Punjab is. That's where my grandparents are from. So I think we will go there, Sarah. And okay, then fine. <laughs> we will also go to um, like south part of India, which is Mumbai, which is like the home of Bollywood industry mm-hmm. uh, and um, like the home of, you know, Miss India World pageant and all, all that fun stuff. Um, but I've, I've gone to Kolkata as well, which is eastern part. And that, that was the... The orphanage that I visited, um, that's where Mother Teresa was. So I, it was, it was cool. I, I got to visit her 
room that she lived in. And I actually haven't gotten to um, travel a lot around in India. Like I, I still haven't seen the Taj Mahal. Um, okay. I have only, you know, been at my parents' home, grandparents' home, and um, been in Mumbai for my speaking mm-hmm. tours that I had. Amazing. I definitely want to see the orphanages there. That's that's something that Connor and I both have a huge heart for. Actually, you may not know, or we may have chatted about it before. I don't remember. Connor and I both had a heart before we met each other for adoption. So that's hopefully at some point in our future. But all of this has been so beautiful and so encouraging. And one of the, my favorite quotes I read about you before our interview says, Shri believes that we need to nourish our hearts daily with positive thoughts so that we can overcome difficulties in life and remain eternally grateful. How do you encourage people to do this, especially while we're in this scary worldwide pandemic? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like we mentioned before, I, I encourage people to think of the blessings that they have, even though it's it's scary. Um, it's more scary for those who have, you know, lost a loved one because of this. Um, and right now, our biggest privilege is to be bored at home or have cabin fever. Um, and to remind people, so the quote was to nourish her hearts daily with positive thoughts. And I encourage people to do that by um, reminding them that we are the result of our thoughts and thoughts become actions and beliefs and our, our life. So it's important that just like we feed our bodies every day with food to live, we need to feed our mind every day with the right thoughts to be emotionally healthy. And, um, you know, don't be too scared. Like, oh my gosh, I thought a negative thought. Just don't, don't dwell into it. You know, keep questioning your thoughts that you have. Like, is that really true? Like, am I really not good enough for this? Or am I really not capable of doing this because of this insecurity that I have? And keep um, telling yourself and filling yourself with the truth that, yes, I am capable. Yes, I am able to do this. Or I might not be there yet, but I can learn the skills I need to learn in order to achieve my dreams. And it might be a long process, but every action I take will result into me being that one step closer to my dreams. So, you know, do a good um, self-analysis on if you're actually being your biggest cheerleader, if you're limiting yourself. And if you are, then just go back to being your biggest cheerleader and hyping yourself up every day and um, and taking care of your thoughts, just like we take care of our bodies every day. Yes. Amen. I am so encouraged by you and I'm so thankful for you. And I know you probably already know, but for those who don't, this podcast is actually not a pageant podcast. It is called More Than a Crown because we are all so much more than the labels we put on ourselves and the labels that society puts on us. So at the end of every podcast, I ask my interviewees, what are you more than? I've had answers from, I'm more than just a mom. I'm more than the number on the scale. So Shri, when you're putting your head down on the pillow, what are you reminding yourself right now that you are more than? Um, I am more than my adversities. Um, And I truly believe I am the messenger of reminding people that they're more than their adversities 
their stressors, their difficulties, um, because in life you are what you are because of the results of your actions and your thoughts. Um, and we have seen that in our human race has overcome so many difficulties. And so we should not label ourselves or limit ourselves because of our circumstances. Amen. I love it. And tell our listeners if you have any last remarks, you can make them and then tell them where they can continue to be inspired by you and follow you. Thank you, Sarah. Um, my parting message would be just take action right now today to serve, to be one step closer to being of service. If that's connecting with a local nonprofit, emailing someone in your community, you could help. Because um, I think we all truly have the heart for service. We all truly want to have a legacy where we can say, you know what, because of me, because of me being on this earth, I was able to impact and positively impact these many people. But I, at the, like, people just keep thinking at the end of my life, this is going to be my legacy. But I feel like your life, at the end of your life, never really comes. You should really think about what have I done today to help? What have I done this week? To help. And I always tell and inspire people to kind of quantify the amount of people they have been able to impact and reach out so they can be more inspired to do more um, and not be a bystander to the atrocities in our world, but to, to rise up and be an advocate. Um, because life is life, like time flies and it, it truly does. And I've, I've come to to come to that realization even more now than ever before. Um, so just take your good thoughts of being of help and by by moving your thoughts into actions today. So by next month, you could have, you know, helped alleviate the suffering of a family member because you took an action last month to um, donate um, food to your local food bank. Um, so just, just take action um, now rather than later. Amen. People can see your, you know, countless cities and speaking engagements and all of the work that you're doing for orphanages in India and et cetera, and be kind of intimidated and say, well, where do I start? And so I love that message of just start, start now, start small, and then you'll look back and be able to see how much impact you have made. And you are a great example of that. And um, again, where can they follow you? Because I know that they are going to want to. Oh, thank you. You can follow me on, you know, Instagram and Facebook. My name is spelled S-H-R-E-E-S-A-I-N-I. I also have a website, shreesani.org. And I have an email if you want to talk at shreesani.org. And I would love to hear your story and follow you back and encourage you back. Um, so I, I hope you say hi and, and we stay connected and keep cheering each other on. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much, Shree. And remember, you guys, share a smile today and just start. <laughs>